HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at hearstranch.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. We talk about food, we talk about music, with musical dudes, finger on the pulse, snacky tunes. Hay muchas como yo, chicos, chicas, por eso no escuchamos tu rock. Masticamos odio, chicos, sin diversión ni trabajo fijo. ¿Quieres su estéreo? ¿Quieres que lo cuide? Cuida coches, te lo cuido. Cuida coches, te lo cuido. ¡Wow! Welcome to Snacky Tunes. I'm one half your host, Darren Bresnitz. We are sitting in uh, the legendary Filipino place, Lhasa, with Phil Rosenthal, host, creator of Somebody Feed Phil, Netflix's new food travel documentary show. Welcome to Snacky Tunes. I'm excited uh, not just to be here with you, but because, and I'm a little embarrassed to say this, I don't think I've ever had Filipino food. And uh, my name is Phil. Yeah. <laughs> you would think that that would be part you, of... You'd think that'd be the first thing i go for. You know, I actually... Maybe don't... it's self-loathing. <laughs> self-loathing, and then yeah. you eat, and then you self-loathe again. It's a yeah. deliciously vicious cycle. Yes. Um, I actually think the first time I had real Filipino food uh, was here. So, oh. Yeah. They're great. Sna- friends with Snacky Tunes. So, um, your new show, you travel all over the world, you yeah. go to eat in a, all these places... But where you started, you started in Queens. <laughs> yes. 
which unto itself, for anyone knows Queens, you actually probably don't have to leave Queens to eat everywhere in the world because every ethnicity of food is there. In 2018? Yes. In 1960? What was that like? Uh, I don't know. As a baby, so I had a very limited uh, diet, but... I didn't stay there very long. I, I stayed there till I was two or three. Then we moved to Riverdale in the Bronx. Okay. But it did, we, could have been, we could have been in the middle of New York City. My mother was not making uh, food a priority. She was working. She was a paralegal sec- secretary. My father was working in the clothing industry. And so we didn't have a lot of money. And, you know, she didn't have a lot of time. But, I mean, even growing up, as I never Jew- went out to eat. With Jewish culture and things like yeah. that, food, I mean, was food yeah. part of your sphere at all or part of your awareness? Yeah, pretty bad sphere. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, you're growing up. When did you start thinking about food? Was it early in your career because, you know, you... The moment I left that house. The moment you left that house. I went to college. I've told this before, but I had some pasta and sauce with other freshmen at Hofstra University in Hempstead, New York. And there were there was there was little white bits in the pasta in the in the red sauce and I, that I'd never had before. What is that delicious thing? And they said, "What garlic?" I said, "Yes, garlic." I never had that flavor. Now uh, my mother has yeah. just a jar of garlic and oil that's always been in our fridge for as long as I can remember. So I can imagine the revelation of that moment when you had garlic for the first time. It blew my mind. But blowing your mind with the garlic did that then open the door? Yes. So You remember in Wizard of Oz when she opens the door and, and now the movie's in color? Yes. It's like that. So were you upset with your parents? Because it's sort of like, if not knowing, you're like, I didn't know that food like this existed. But now that you know that this food yes. exists, yes. we're like, Mom and Dad, what the yes. hell? It's like, it's like you were asking for a bike yeah. your whole childhood and you never got one. And then you find out that your parents had a bike shop. <laughs> <laughs> they had access to the bike parts. That's yeah. right. Um, so you go to college, you're there, um, and then in the late 80s you move from New York to L.A. Um, what was it like moving to L.A.? And also, you know, the food in L.A. in the late 80s was not what right. it is today, right. but it also wasn't even on the comparable level of what leaving what you had discovered in exactly New York. Exactly right. So, so I had discovered foods in New York in my 20s. I lived there all through, throughout my 20s. And now I was doing stuff like in New York, I was doing uh, four-star restaurants once a year. I would mm. save up. I had no money. I was a starving actor. Where I ate tuna fish for dinner. I ate uh, hot dogs and pizza. And then once a year on my birthday, because I read about in the New York Times, these magical places called four-star restaurants, I'd be like, i, I got to get here because like I love food. Quilted giraffe, that That's type right. of place. That exactly you right. Yeah. The original Le Cirque, uh. Lutece, Le Cote Basque, Le Grand Oui. Right? What was that like? It was like you were on another planet, a planet of rich people who, who sat with, with jackets and ties, and the place was so elegant, you thought you were in Paris. You thought you were in Versailles. You could, they were gorgeous places with fresh flowers everywhere and the waiters in tuxedos. And the food, the presentation was like nothing you'd ever dreamed of. And... It was so beautiful, and the flavors were so pristine and great, in addition to being gorgeous and Instagrammable before there was Instagram. Well, that's a good point, because now 
I've heard it before, and it just I have to shake my head. That's like, oh, I don't need to go to this restaurant. I've seen it on Instagram. Or I've that's seen a video for it. I know, it's crazy. I that's what people who don't care about eating. Yes, but back then, to yeah. go into these uh, temples of food, especially mm-hmm. when the other 364 nights of the year is canned tuna fish and yeah. toast, yeah. it must have blown your mind. Absolutely. It was the greatest. My friend, I had another idiot who would save up $100. When sure. my parents heard this, by the way, that I was doing this, uh, they thought I should be committed. Well, listen, I... What do you, you may as well just take the $100, throw it down the toilet, which is kind of what you're doing. I know, but, you know, I went through the same thing when I went started eating out at these fancy restaurants in my 20s, and my parents were like, what are what, you doing? What are you doing? What are your priorities? And then I was like, no, 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 come with me. And they're like, they'd get it, but they'd be like, still, what are you doing? I did it too. I and finally, when I had enough money, when I came back, you know, after a little Hollywood money, I came back and I took them to Lutes. That we don't care about these things. We don't care. Oh, then all of a sudden, oh, this is very good. I yes, know. Ma, that was the point. I know. This is very good. But I have to you say. You didn't tell me it would be very good. That's why I go. I know. But that they when they start to appreciate yes. it and you share with them, because sharing yes. with your parents the food, you're like, I discovered this. Yes. I love it. It's so great. Yes. Um, so they still won't go on their dime. No. <laughs> They're still not going to. They think, my parents, they, they live in the Rockland County. So I grew up, I went to stay in Riverdale until I was nine. And then from nine to 17, I lived in Rockland County, New York, with half an hour upstate. And they lived there for 40 years. Okay? And then my mother, who's an opera nut, we, we said, if, if you sell your house, we'll put that money towards an apartment. I'll get you an apartment near Lincoln Center because you love the opera. Just walk like on pre heaven, right? Right. For them. My father said he didn't want to go. Why not? Do you know how much a chicken is in that neighborhood? <laughs> well, you don't have to go to Danielle. You don't have to go there for a chicken. But you understand it's yeah. a mindset? Yeah. Your department is free. The department's free. You're but, living... But the chicken is a few dollars more. That's right. Well, so before you bought them the apartment, you had to go out to L.A. and create a show called yeah, Everybody sorry. Loves Raymond. I, 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 no, no, it's I fine. get ahead of myself. It's fine. It's totally fine. That's why I'm here. But... Uh, you go to everybody. You I, go to, a, I go to LA. LA. I come to, when I come to LA in 1989, I've tried four star restaurants. I've tried Mexican food in New York, right? right. Yes, it was very Americanized, yes. but I was doing it. The Chinese food can't be beat in New York. I'm like a New Yorker. I'm yeah. like, a, like a Woody Allen New Yorker. The good part to him. The good part. Uh, 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm, but I've been raised to think that New York is the, king, the capital of the world, yeah. and it is. And I come to LA, and it's a Woody Allen joke. Oh, me. yeah. I hated it at first. Hate. It's All they had were chili burgers. Avocado toast. No, they didn't have avocado toast. That's a new thing. That's a new thing. But they had, you know, his joke was he, Seeds, that, he got a, a, a plate of mashed yeast. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, mashed yeast. There was that bullshit. And yeah. there, was the, there was that kind of aura about it, too. Weird junk food and then weird vegetarian stuff that no... Like, no one was happy eating. There was one fine dining restaurant, maybe? Spago? Spago was Maybe. Around, yes, around Spago time. was happening. And then you just saw it explode in the 90s. You just saw it, like, really come into its own. Until now, I honestly think it's a better food city than New York. I, you know, that's a big... I, I could say I agree with you at some point. I think there's more opportunity to try new things. I think New York... We have to, to more up, yeah. cultural diversity even yes. than New York. Which, and these cultures bring their foods. The biggest population of Korean people outside of Korea is here. Well, most the people biggest, who come from Korea say that the best Korean food is here in Koreatown because of the ingredients. Same with Japanese, same yeah. with Chinese. 
Africans. Same with Ethiopians. And you don't have to go to Queens. Mexicans. You don't have to go out to the boroughs like you do in New York. Yes, and you have a car, which makes it in New York. As much as I love it, and I'm a New Yorker. Me me too. Yes. As much as I love it, you walk around Manhattan. Every restaurant is packed, whether it's good or bad. Yeah. Because everyone lives on top of each other, literally. And they have to eat. And so, oh, I'm busy. I'm going to that restaurant. I can't even get into the bad place. No. I can't even get... I can't... It's I'd packed. like uh, two top at 8 p.m. at the worst restaurant in New York. Yes. Oh, it's booked? Yes. For the next two and a half hours? That's right. Okay, I'll wait. Yes. So, you, while the food culture is exploding in the 90s, and yep. you're here with a successful show... Are you taking advantage of your newfound success and eating out at the burgeoning restaurants? Or yes. are you still... Not okay. only that. Yes. I start... I invest in a restaurant. Really? Because I love it so much. What's the restaurant? The restaurant was Jar. Yes. Suzanne So Trapped. I was an investor in Jar. Love And her. then for some reason, the, the, I think the building was being sold or something. After a year, it was going to go away. And then... My, I said, that's sad. The, I said to my business manager, that, that's very sad. What, can we do anything? And he said, you can buy it. So I did because I loved it. I didn't know what a headache it was to own a restaurant. No. And so after a year of that, I, was, uh, uh, I sold it to Suzanne Tract yeah. because the restaurant was doing so well. And God bless her, the reason Jar is still phenomenal is because Suzanne Tract has stayed at that restaurant. She's wonderful. The food is exactly what it was when it first opened, I think 15, 16 years ago now. Yes. I think it's one of the best restaurants still in L.A. You just don't hear about it so much because all the new stuff yeah, gets well, I mean, the press. It's, it's been around for 17 years. Yeah. It's but tough. it is great. It, it is great. And once you... I took the money. You took the money. From the sale of right. that and started investing in other restaurants to the point now where I'm... I, can't, I don't even know how many I've invested in. You're like, oh, uh, sir, we have your table as a part owner. You're like, oh, I didn't even know I had a steak <laughs> in here. Uh, but yes, I will take I'll You know take what? It. I never pull that. If it's busy yeah. and they say we really don't have I said, I don't throw any weight around. I'm like, good. good. Glad you're busy. Glad you're busy. Yes, right. The check is mailed to. That's P-H-I-L. <laughs> um, but by the way, there's a, the real reason that I invest in restaurants is because I'm not very bright. Oh, yeah. I mean... It's a stupid investment if you want to make money, but the truth is I'm not in it for the money. No. I, I feel like it's supporting the arts. This, why should your sense of taste be any less than your sense of sight or sound or hearing, right? Uh, this is an art form. So I want to talk about your support of the arts because you also have uh, started really supporting the arts through your, your media work in food, yes. uh, your shows, your Instagram, and things like that. So... Um, yes. Oh, food yeah. just came. Food just came. Are we allowed to talk about we it? We can talk about the food. Mm-hmm. A spoon for? Uh, for the coconut. Oh, nice. So and can meat. we have a few share plates? Oh, yeah. I'm going to grab that all. Thank you. Um, can we take a picture? Yeah, take a picture. That's what people do. Yeah, so as you're taking a picture... I'm like a, um, I'm like a person. You know, part of, of what you've grown into and, and, and talking about restaurants and supporting them has come through... Um, both the TV show and then, you know, subsequent of that, uh, social media. Yes. But I want to go back because everyone thinks of you now as someone who's in the food world. Yes. But before that, when you were just, you know, a showrunner, writer, producer, making documentaries, 
you may have secretly been into food, but how did you start to think about wanting to host your own food show? Okay, so during Raymond, yes. uh, I asked Ray at the end of season one what he was going to do on his hiatus, and he said he was going to the Jersey Shore. Okay. Like he always did. Yeah. I said, oh, that's nice. Hey, have you ever been to Europe? And he said, uh, no. I said, why not? He said, I'm not really interested in other cultures. Okay. Even his own Italian. Right. And a light bulb went off. We got to do that show where we send him over to Italy as him and we send him back as me. Someone who's in love with travel and food and Italy especially and the food in Italy. Took a few years to convince him right. and CBS to give us the money to do the very special episode where we go to Because you filmed on location and not on of the back line. Well, of course. Well, the interiors we filmed at home, but the right. exteriors were all Italy, Rome, and, and a little town outside of Rome called Anguillara. And so then how did that episode go? That episode was great. I was so happy with that episode, not only because it became our little movie, it was a special hour... But what I saw, what happened to Ray, the character that I wrote about his transformation, but I saw Ray Romano. As a person. It happened to him. Right. And when I saw that, the light bulb went off big time. I want to do this for other people. That was in the year 2000. So since then, I was trying to get this show. Awesome. Well, we're going to take a quick musical break. We're going to dig in, you know... Uh, divide up all this food mm. and we're going to talk about the old show the new show and uh, Lumpia Lumpia and theme songs here on Snacky Tunes we have a f- song from the archives on heritageradionetwork.org
Welcome back to Snacky Tunes. Now that we have stuffed our face. Oh, now I have to lie down. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Thank you so much. We didn't actually get to talking about the show because we went to food comas. Um, so after this uh, light goes off in your head about teaching people about the importance of food and well, traveling. I, I, I find that traveling is the most mind-expanding thing we can do in life. Sure. It changed my life in my early 20s. I never went anywhere when I was a kid. But in my early 20s, I, I, I took a courier flight. Meaning, DHL paid for my flight as long as their stuff went as my excess baggage on a, as a coach passion passenger on a European airline. What? That yeah. still exists? No, oh. because now they're DHL. <laughs> but when they were starting, this is what they were doing. There might be comparable things, and I'm always turning on the 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 TV and I'm seeing sixty nine dollar flight to Copenhagen, yeah. sixty nine dollar flight, ninety nine dollar flight. This is nothing. There's nothing. Go, people. Two thirds of Americans don't have a passport. That's bonkers. Maybe we wouldn't be in the shape we're in. No. If more people had their minds expanded a tiny bit by travel. I think the uh, first official document I'll get for my future daughter. Yeah. Passport. Get her yes. dressed up. Take her to Europe. Yes. So. So that that was in the back of my mind always. I wanted to do this show, even though I was pursuing, you know, more sitcoms, more things to do with Hollywood, because, you know. The agents don't want you to do a food and travel show if you're me. They'd like the next... Everybody Loves Raymond. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I don't blame them, Did but... Did you pitch any sitcom food shows? No. Never. <laughs> it's not funny. Those have never worked. No. They've never done well. Was there a lot of food in Everybody Loves Raymond? I mean, there was like a lot every of... Every show. Every show, but like... Every show. Every show was food. That's what I thought. Well, the mother, you know, wielded power over the family by her... Amazing cooking. Right. And the joke was that his own wife couldn't cook. No. Okay? So that was a big bone of contention throughout the show. I will say this. It extended off stage too. We had the best craft service in town. Now you can you, ask anybody. Did you help organize that? That's all I did. <laughs> no, I did. <laughs> that was, please, that wait, please, can you sign off on this? I don't know. I'm putting together this spread for you guys That's tomorrow. Right. That's I'll right. get notes when I can. Forget the jokes. We got to eat. Forget no, we need to, we needed... The, the army travels on its stomach. I really believe that. Yep. And if you can, one of the best ways to show that you care about the people you work with is provide nice food for them. Yeah. So what do I mean? Cinnamon buns from Ann Sather's in Chicago once in a while. Oh, so you're... Deli from New York once in a while. Oh. Crab claws from Joe's in Miami once in a while. Once in a while. Once a year. Once a year. That one. But the, a great taco truck is backstage sure. on shoot night. in and out burger truck is backstage on shoot night. Really good food that people loved. And we just... It, that's how you make a family. Yeah. That's how you make a family. Food is the great connector. It is. It's how you really get to know a culture and people. Yeah. Um, and so the show wraps up. Yeah. Um, how did you get to making your first food series? 
Uh, and how did you convince Here's what happened. the people to let you be a host with not having any, not that exactly. you weren't funny and talented, but you're not a, you weren't a food host. Why should anybody think I am if I never did it before? Right. right? Now, and let me follow up. How many people knew that how much you'd invested in, in uh, restaurants and been a uh, curator of the craft service table? I don't know if that helped or not. I'll tell you the big thing that helped. Yeah. <clears throat> I made a documentary. Sure. I made a documentary about going to Russia. The Russians wanted me to help them turn my sitcom into Everybody Loves Kostya. Okay? And that was called Exporting Raymond, and it's on Netflix also now. And you can see that. That was the genesis to me getting my own show, because people saw that show and said, we like the idea of you going places. Yeah. And I said, so does my wife. Yeah. <laughs> and so I... They said, do you have any ideas? I said, I did. I've had this idea now for a while. Yeah. It came from the Raymond episode. Sure. What if I did a show where I went around the world and showed you the best places to eat in an effort to get you to travel? Right. So it's a travel show, a show that's couched as a food show. It is couched as a food show. The food and hopefully the humor yeah. is a way to suck you in to getting to the people you know, I never tried. I, it's not a political show. I never meant to be political. But suddenly, in the world we're in, it's, it's a political perfect. statement to suddenly embrace other people and other cultures. Right. So, okay, then I'm political then. I'm just a friggin' human being who loves other folks, and I think that we should celebrate our diversity, celebrate what's different, celebrate that we're having Filipino food right here in Los Angeles, and I know. it's delicious. Life is good, people. We all have something to offer, and it's all great if you allow it in your head. It's your head that needs to swivel a bit. You know, I want to talk about the humor, because especially in the history of television, the comedy shows have been the first ones to deal with a lot of the hard-hitting... Especially late. Late night, but also, you know, all the family and things like that. Right, right, right. And there are not a lot of travel food shows that have humor or are actively telling jokes in the way that you're doing it. There might be a one-off, you know, sort of snarky remark or, you know, It's, it's like the that. only thing I had to bring to the table. But so, you know, how do you approach that? Because some people could be like, he's not taking it seriously or this is not how we do food shows because yeah. not, only, not only does the humor part of it, uh -huh. but you also have a very, in the most complimentary possible, a very Jewish approach to it as well. It's like this Jewish humor. I will humor. not sit here and have you <laughs> denigrate my people. No, I, it's true. But it's, it's true. And it's, I am who I am. Before. Listen, you got to be specific. Yeah. That if I'm trying to be vague and kind of white bread it up for America, it's it's bland, like white bread. And so I'm you're getting a you're getting a rye bread a from nice, me. Nice crusty yes, rye. Right, right. But you're, there's there's I don't know how to explain it other than I can only be who I am. There's no acting on the show, and yet I do understand. That I have a certain character. Sure. I know who I am. Right. But I'm not, I don't have to play it. You I just, am it. Do you play it up a little though? Do you ever give a little extra like mug into the camera, an extra joke? I do know that if somebody tells me there might be snakes in this water, yes. my first reaction, the first instinct I have as somebody who's been in show business yeah. is to look at the camera. Because you're my friend. Yeah. And if you are my friend, and once I understand that the camera's my friend and I'm looking at you at home, you're with me on the journey. So I think of the camera as my buddy that I'm looking at, and can you believe this? Or can you believe how great this is? Or am I going to die now? Am I it's gonna, all that. It's all that. You're like, so, so in that respect, I guess you could say I'm playing it. But it's 100% 
natural reaction. It doesn't. You don't see me think about it. I just yeah. do it. It doesn't also hurt that your brother's on the other side of the exactly camera, right. who's put you in this situation, yes. and you like. So I'm you... looking over at him. Like, and now I kill you. Yeah. No, you come here. Yes, you come over here. You eat this. So you had the first, uh, you had your series on PBS. It did really well. There was something before that. There was I learned a lot from What it. was before this? Amex were the first people to say, uh, would you like to do something with food? Because we saw this. Uh, the documentary. Right. And, and I said, of course. And they said, would you would need a famous chef to go with you because nobody knows who you are. So I said, okay. Um, and I got Thomas Keller. I'm sorry, I don't know who that right. is. How did you, re- did you know him? I had invested in Bouchard. Sure. And we became friends. Oh, I also, Jim Brooks saw me speak at a, at a sitcom panel. And he said, do you ever do any acting, man? And I said, yeah, when I was a kid, I did yeah. a little. And he goes, I might have something for you. Two years after that, he put me in Spanglish. And I played, I played a sous chef in a oh, recreation right. of the French Laundry Kitchen. Yeah, uh, Adam Sandler. Judd App. Yeah. Judd, Judd, Judd App. Sorry. Not Judd Apatow. Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler played... A chef. A chef, and I was his sous chef, and I had a couple of big scenes. And the consultant on the movie was Thomas Keller. And the He's, he's the go-to guy. He did when, Ratatouille when as well. I got the When I got the part, <laughs> yeah. I learned I got the part in New York. The... Per se was just opening. I called over there and I said, I understand Chef Keller is going to be the consultant on this thing. Could I come and observe? And they said, Well, we're kind of busy. We're, we're opening. We'll call you back. Ten minutes later, Keller, come on over. Come on over. And I came over and I spent an hour or two in the kitchen watching him run that army. It was fascinating. It's After that two hours, yeah. I had one question for him Could I eat here? <laughs> and he said, "Sure." Three now this was the hottest ticket yeah. in New York. Go, you could not get in this place, I, and I got to. It was worth standing on my feet in that kitchen. If I learned nothing else, I got to eat that meal. Now here's a question: yeah. Going back, because and then the, we became friends. Because by that time you'd eaten all over the world yeah. and things like that. How did that meal compare to the meals that you were eating when you were going out in your twenties? I had been to the French Laundry. Sure. And I was told that it's not the, the the name per se. The way he got it was it's not the French Laundry per se. That's why per se. Okay. <laughs> it's a good. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. To me, it was a hell of a lot like the French Laundry. Yeah. The only thing different to me was the setting and the view. The view. It's a nice view. Beautiful. Beautiful. Nice view. So. You do Amex. So I, so, so, I, so, so I do that. Yeah, so, and, then, and then we go to London for a week on Amex. And there's a producer, and he's going to produce like a, a TV show. I think it's a TV show. He books us into 27 restaurants in seven days. That's more than breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And because it's Keller, they're all white tablecloth. Oh, and 90% white tablecloth. And I wanted to die after three days. It's all like butter and When rich. the food comes to the table like this, you want to go, oh, yeah. Not, oh, no. Yeah. I mean, this is the food, Literally, the food you, you want to dig, yes. jump in. But imagine if we were sitting here for four hours and this came out every 20 minutes. For people who... A uh, tiny amount. That home, it may yeah. be spectacular, but just my back can't take it, let alone my stomach. I can't take it. What, were there and cameras? I, yes. So what were they... Did you guys have any conversation over food? That's a great question because this is what I also learned. 
this particular producer was more concerned about what the food looked like Instagram wise yeah. you know shots beauty food shots which I understand that's the that's kind of the uh, the jokes of the medium right if, if my if my medium is sitcom and the jokes are the bread and butter of it I understand that the food shot is the is the rock of the food show mm. however to me what I learned is it's only the connection to the people and the people are way more interesting than the dish of food after five seconds. I got it. So you were just dealing with the food only and no one in the kitchen? Uh, no, the chefs would, would talk. It was, a, it was kind of a food show. Show. Okay, but here's the thing. Yeah. I didn't like this setup. <laughs> I was dying. I couldn't take it anymore. My pants hurt. I couldn't. I didn't. It was boring to me. I didn't like. And I learned just as much about how to do what I wanted to do from doing the opposite. You learn as much from what not to do, right? So, Amex, it turned out, they didn't even want a show. They wanted to cull scenes, bits from this, and present them in an evening for card members of the Platinum and Black Card variety. A dinner with Thomas Keller and me, hosting fancy food, uh, inspired by our trip to London. Here's some clips of us in London. That's what the money was spent. I thought it was a TV show. I guess that's what a, I got that's out of thing. it. What I got out of yeah. it was my own clips that I liked, ah. that I made, that I could now sell and do my show. So you uh, essentially got a sizzle reel. Exactly right. So it served its purpose it served for its me purpose. in many ways. I learned what not to do. I learned. What, I knew that I was now going to go if I should be so lucky to get the show. That my brother's a producer of television, oh, of that. different kinds of television. And, and your mother made you hire him as well? Okay, no. <laughs> I wanted to hire him because I thought this is a dream job. When I told him that PBS is going to give me a show, that they're going to that they're going to uh, uh, give me a show, I get to go around the world and eat. He goes, really? What are you going to call the show? The Lucky Bastard? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's true. There's a lot of times when you look at that, especially from a couch with maybe eating less than desirable takeout, when you see you going into these amazing kitchens, you go, that is a lucky... Well, I wouldn't know if... I, I'd use a probably harsher language than That's bastard. Fine. Well, the, I couldn't make it the name of the show, but it is the name of my brother and I, uh, production company. <laughs> well, listen, we're going to take a quick musical break. Yes. We're going to come back, yes. and we're going to talk about the new show, Good. Somebody Feed Phil. Yes. Uh, and we're going to get to that amazing... On Netflix. On Netflix. Uh, we have another song from the archives. Uh on Snacky Tunes here on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. It's not that easy to be one of us But speaking up seems so dangerous Shut it down, you shut the mouth. Keep your body fighting through the mess that's in your head. All in your head. Breathe, let go and trust your feet. Run just to
it grow. Ain't that something to be proud about? I've got my lungs, I've got my soul. So hear me scream, hear me shout. The pain is loud, but the fight is louder. Breathe, let go and trust your feet. Run, just Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. The Hearst family has been raising cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of California's Central Coast for over 150 years. Piedra Blanca Rancho in San Simeon is the original Hearst Ranch, founded by George Hearst in 1865. George's son was the famous publisher, William Randolph Hearst. In addition to being known for building the iconic Hearst Castle, William was, like his father before him, an avid rancher. In his words, I would rather spend a month at the ranch than any place in the world. Thanks to one of the largest land conservation easements in California history, a joint effort with the California Rangeland Trust, the American Land Conservancy, and the state of California, the working landscape at Hearst Ranch will be preserved forever. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at HearstRanch.com. Hello and welcome back to Snacky Tunes. Tell them what I'm doing right now. Phil is digging into the sweet meat of a young coconut. <laughs> uh, That's not a metaphor. It's not a metaphor. Uh, we are also in public, so it's definitely not a metaphor. Um, so you had the Amex trial. Yeah. You had the show on PBS. Yeah. You also had been investing in Food Forever. Yeah. And you had taken Ray Romano, both the character and the real human, on a trip to... Italy. Where he got woke. Where he was woke. Before, I don't know what Italian for woke is. Woke. Yeah. And so now this has all led to your current moment, which is your new Netflix show, Somebody Feed Phil. 
it's uh, it's amazing. Uh, a star is born. A star I think you would say. overnight. Yes, overnight. Or actually, brined and slowly braised, <laughs> like for, a pastrami, for a couple of decades. Yeah. So um, you did the show on PBS, and I don't want to 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 uh, hang there, but I want to know how you go from PBS to Netflix because it's a different show. Like, I, it's, yeah. it's, it's similar because you're there in your food, but, you know, like, for example, your first six episodes for PBS is, like, the greatest hits of travel. Paris and, you got and Tokyo, things like that. I call it Earth's Greatest Hits. Earth's Greatest Hits. Yeah. It's, like, it's like, here you go, here's your checklist. It's, yeah. it's like, go to Paris, go to this. Yeah. In the new uh, show, yeah. you're going to Bangkok. You're yeah. going to Saigon. Yeah. Tel Aviv. Yeah. It's you a know, slightly... Mexico City. It's, it's, uh, it's not for beginners. But slightly... A slightly bigger step outside the comfort zone. Yes. Which is what happens when you start traveling. Yes, but you. But the thing is, though, is you didn't start there. You, in many ways, you were the your viewers personified. Where it's like we're going to take some baby steps. That's right. Get your passport. Exactly you don't need right. a visa. That's right. So then, how did you? And start? one of every six shows, if I'm so lucky to continue, is always going to be an American city. Yes, because I think that's right. Which is a phenomenal place to travel if you can't travel outside the country for whatever reason. You know, people sometimes forget about America. I'm guilty of that. Of when they go, I need to travel. And if I need to travel, that means I have to go to Europe, I have to go to Asia, things like that. There, it's a huge country. There's no, like, it's the biggest singular country with so many regions. If you carved it up, and all of a sudden... Louisiana was its own country. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, we're going to Louisiana. Be exactly like, oh my God. right. Yes. Did you change your currency? Of course. <laughs> the way Europeans feel. Yeah. Right? Like, oh, hop on, hop on a... You go to fr- you go France next door to Spain, it's a whole different world. So let's go back a little bit. How yeah. did you get this started? How did, how did the Netflix stuff... Because Netflix is obviously out there, you know, sort of courting and calling and things like that. But how did they court and call you? Did you reach out to them? They reach out to you? It's very simple. Uh, the PBS show... Seemed to go well. We won the James Beard Award after six episodes. Congratulations. For Best Food and Travel Show. They didn't pick up the show. I don't quite understand. We'll leave it at that. Okay. So they don't pick up the show. Right. I'm not going to say anything. No, we're not going to say anything. We'll just, we'll just leave not, it there. I, it, it's, I, uh, I believe the term is a pregnant pause, if you will. Yeah. So we'll leave it there. So they don't pick it up. But here comes Netflix. There you go. And now I have a theme song. The show is shot in 4K, Ooh. which is ultra high definition. Everything in the show looks beautiful except beautiful. for one thing. I, I can't say. You're that. looking at them. <laughs> well, I would say it. So, um, so how do you start putting it together? Is it just sort of because it's you know still your brother, it's still Lucky yeah. Bats production? Yeah. Is it sort of just like, all right, we're getting the band back together, we're just going to roll yeah. out? So, That's right. Okay. So The name is different because Netflix brands original content. Sure. For them. But here's the other thing. It's on in every friggin' country. When the, last Friday, when they pushed the button, yeah, we were on every country on Earth except for North Korea and Syria, I think. And That's we're getting. If you look at my, uh, if you go to Phil Rosenthal Twitter, yeah. and look at the mentions, mm-hmm. people are writing in from all over the world. It's the happiest. I can't tell you how thrilled I am because we do these things. All we do as human beings on the planet is look to connect with other people. Yeah. That's it. And this is the biggest connection of my life. And have you found people have made connections already? I mean, it's only been out for about a week. I can't believe it. And people, they told me, somebody at Netflix told me, you're going to go to bed Thursday night. Right. Thursday at midnight, LA time, is when the show drops. Mm-hmm. So the moment it turns Friday, literally, yeah. 
The show is everywhere on earth. Okay? You will wake up to people tweeting you that they've seen all six episodes already. State of all, well, I guess it's not all night. Depending where you are. All night or this yes. this work. Which I think, by the way, between you and me, is crazy. It's a little Why? I'm telling people, to, what are you binging for? It's not like it's a cliffhanger. Oh, I wonder if you, you get sick next time. No, I didn't throw up. I can, spoiler alert, I'm perfectly fine in every episode. Every episode took months to make and is a one-hour... Movie, documentary. Movie about this place that I would like you to savor and indulge in and digest even that's like not, a meal. I don't think that's how it works don't anymore. don't do it. I can't tell you how to watch. I'm, I'm thrilled if you watch. So watch any way you want. But I'm just saying, don't hurt yourself, binge. Now, I want to take uh, dive a little bit deeper into n- not just picking the cities, but the places themselves. Because yeah. you definitely have uh, an approachable type of curation to these shows because sometimes when I watch other travel shows with other hosts it's very obvious that you need to know the chef or have been in the game for a long time or you're getting a wink and a nod that you know you'll never experience but you've pitched the show as like get on the ground yeah, do your research in advance uh-huh. but get on the ground and go well there's some research that we can all do we all have a device in our pocket sure that's the, the world encyclopedia of everything. And you can go Google best restaurants in Saigon. And now you know where to eat. Or where to start. Yes. And then I leave room in each show Yeah. for what's going to happen when I'm there. And the local says, don't go there. You go here. So in finding these places um, and discovering these places when you get on the ground and things like that, what is that feeling? What is that feeling of when you find a place? Because I know in the Lisbon episode you said that Ramiro... Oh. is the type of place that you would love to eat. You yes. would love to have a Ramiro in every city. Didn't it look like that? It did. Didn't it look like that? It's I a, mean, those here size it is. of those... It's a, the it's size casual, of those Yes, those it's things. as casual as where we're sitting right now, yeah. which is just wood table and chairs, yeah. right? A big kind of big hall. Yeah. You know, it has a little decoration, but it's certainly not what you would say is a fancy sure. restaurant. But it does have the greatest hits of seafood yeah. of the ocean. <laughs> I, I had eight or nine different varieties of prawns and, and shrimp, things I never saw before. How about those carabinieri shrimp? Oh they call them carabinieri because they look like the, the, the red of the police car dome <laughs> spinning light. That's how red they are. Red as your headphones. Absolutely. I'm telling you, pull the head off this thing. Yeah. Okay? You're going to have that big meat, like a lobster tail. That's how big it is. But what's in the head of that shrimp? I hope you're, you're not grossed out by this, I'm people. Not. You drink that? Yeah. There's nothing in there except the natural juices of this particular shrimp. I'm telling you, it's like God made seafood soup. Yeah. The best seafood soup you ever had in your life. How is that? That's almost proof of, if I'm an atheist, sure. this is almost going to convince me otherwise. Right. So it goes uh, amoeba shrimp soup. How do you get that? Yeah. How? What? What is that? What is that? So, um, anyway, know, that's I, the reason you travel to have a thing like that that blows your mind. And so, now that you have traveled and seen the food of the people, do you feel closer? Yes. To these people? Yes. Do you feel that you, when you walk away, you have a better understanding and you've shared a better understanding with people? Food is a great connector. Right. And what I found was laughs of the cement. So you and I are going to eat lunch, yeah, and it's going to be good, especially if the food is good, we're going to have a good time. Yeah. But if we also laugh a little bit together, now we're friends. Yeah. 
and I want to see you again. Right. And we're going to have another one. And we have another meal. Right. And now we're buddies, and now we're going to watch the game together. We're going to go out. We're going to wife swap. Oh, I said too much. <laughs> <Don't you? laughs> so, um, you know, we talk a lot about on the show about authenticity uh-huh. and traveling and going to these places, and especially living in L.A. where you could go get, you know, uh, Thai food. Yeah. In Thai town. Yeah. You go to Bangkok. Yeah. And you get... Amazing food thing of that. How Here's you, the thing. How do you we feel? Have, yeah. Like, how do you feel about that? Where the authenticity of traveling, or is it is it necessary? Not necessary? You know, does it mean more to you because you had a certain sort of cuisine in LA versus Bangkok? Okay. So here's the message. Yeah. If you this in in an effort to get you to travel and really see why this is so special. If you like a food, if you like Thai food, mm-hmm. go to the source. Yeah. Go to the source. If you like a taco. Go to the source. Now, when you were in Mexico City, yeah. how many tacos did you eat? Almost every day. Almost every day, tacos. It's amazing. Because they are unbelievable. As good, and we have amazing, fantastic tacos in L.A., but not quite as good as Mexico City. They were carving this thing on the street, the, the, the El Pastor. Yeah. I couldn't believe how delicious it was. I was trying to... People were walking past it. I couldn't understand how you could walk past this amazing place. Of course, I'm an idiot because these are Mexicans and they have tacos every day. Yeah, we've seen tacos. Yeah, we've seen it. My mother yeah. makes it better. Yes. Yes. My mother has a spit of meat. But Mexico City is so close and you're in a fantastic world. And so, in this world, in bringing these people, if what is the biggest piece of advice you can give to people to go find their own world? Start with... If, you, if you're like me and you're planning a vacation around food where you're yeah. going to eat, what's your favorite food? Sure. And let's say, let's go one step further. Your favorite ethnic food. Right. I promise, whatever that answer is, you will love that country. Right. Because you're going to love... I swear to God. You, love the fl- you already know that you love the flavors. It's really that simple. Because you'll know you love the history because yes. the food is the history, it is yes. the culture. I'm saying if you like a food, go to where that food comes from. And you'll be happy. It's a good vacation. It's a great vacation. Now, before we run out of time, I, I need to ask about the theme song. <laughs> because as a show that also has a theme yes, song. which is very cute. Very cute. Thank you, Wallpaper, yes. forever and ever. It's very good. Um, how did that song come about? What was the inspiration? I met Lake Street Dive, this amazing band. <laughs> they, I think they're tremendous. Fantastic. I think she, Rachel, is one of the best singers in the world. I think every part of them, I love their spirit. I love their little sense of humor. I love, I love everything about them. Yeah. And the songs are good. They're good songwriters. I wrote some notes down for the type of song. I yeah. wondered if they'd be interested. Yeah. And they delivered. Big time. I, I'm telling you. What's the response I don't then? know. 99% fantastic. Like, people are writing, they can't get it out of their heads. It's like ringtones now, right? You know, Friends is a beloved sitcom, sure. right? I'm going to say that not a tiny part of the reason it's still in your head as beloved is that phenomenal theme song. Oh, yeah. A good theme so, song. Yes. Yeah. It catches you. Yeah. It gets in your, in your head, and it kind of defines the spirit of the show. That's what a great theme song does. I don't think my show is as good as that theme song that I have. It's I a, think they're great. You, I think it's part of a, you know, the a sum of the parts, yes, if you will. Yes. Um, so what's next? Six episodes are done. Right. Uh, they're calling this part one. 
which tells me, because I'm not really stupid, there might be more. Why would you call something part one if there wasn't going to be more? I mean, wouldn't that be the cruelest thing? That would be mean. That would be so mean. Netflix. Netflix. Don't do that, Netflix. Part one. Yeah, but I'm already, I'm already... What's on the wish list? Let's go. We got to do more. What's, what's your city wish list? You name it. Go ahead. You name it? Yeah. Name Man, it. Well, you've been to a lot of places. I, there's, there's no shortage. And then, and then you know, yeah, like Bourdain, he, he runs through and then he runs through again. Yeah, so you could do like Istanbul. It's time to do it again. You yes. could do some Montreal. Anything that's not on the watch list, <laughs> yes. I'm going. Not on the watch list. Yeah. Um, and finally, I want to bring it back to your parents because... They did feed you at the beginning. They didn't, I, listen, they didn't let you start. You don't have to mince words. I know they're the stars of the show. They're the stars I of the show. I know that, that people people come up to me and we go, oh, we like your show. We love your parents. I'm like, so why do I bother traveling? I could sit in the kitchen with them if that's what you like. But how did that How did that start? Because they, they were with you. They weren't with you with Keller in London, but they were with you at the PBS show where you and your brother were like, we, got a, we owe mom and dad a spot in the show? No. Or how did, that, how did it happen? I made the documentary Exporting Raymond. Sure. And I Skyped with them from Russia. Great. They were the funniest part of that movie. Sure. So I thought, if I'm doing this show, I realized that the Skype call home is the modern day equivalent of the postcard. Sure. This is how we now can do it instantly. I can point the thing out the window and show them where I am. I can show them the food I'm eating. They're, right? Yeah. And they can complain about what's happening at their house. About each other. And that's funny. And it's very, very, I find, relatable. It is. Even though my parents aren't your parents, you get the parent thing. I get the parent thing. Oh, I have Jewish parents too. But even if you don't. Even if you don't. We relate to each other's specificities just because they're specific. Yeah. That's what human beings do. We hook into the... that. That's the relatable part. If I try to be vague and, and not be myself or be that white bread guy, yeah. that's not relatable. And, you, and, and one final point is that you get that in the show. Because you look, you, you're in a foreign country. Yep. Something maybe you've never even heard of or thought of before. And you go, oh, they have noodles. I know noodles. Yes. I can hop in on that. Yes. Well, Phil, thank you so much. I love being here. This was fun. And you fed me. Yes. What could be better? This is the best podcast in the world. Thank you. Thank you, Lassa, for opening your doors to us. Um, I would uh, be doing a misservice if I didn't give you a few seconds to promote and push. Where can people find the show? I think it's called Netflix. Uh, I think yeah, I don't know if the X is si- next. Netflix. 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 <laughs> Netflix. <laughs> like Grand Prix yeah. is spelled with an X, right? Yes. Let's call it that from Netflix. now on, everybody. Oh, I'm an I'm an international. I'm on Netflix. Man. I'm on Netflix. Um, so it's all the episodes up there, and then you also have a very healthy uh, Instagram, uh, Twitter presence. Where can they find you? Phil Rosenthal Twitter, Phil dot Rosenthal Instagram. I think Phil Rosenthal something something. I don't know what it is on Facebook. But listen, I'm happy if you just go on the Netflix and look at how. Give a look. Give a try. Give a try. Give a rating too. I don't know. Do they do that? I think they do. Okay. Well, listen. Thank you so much. Uh, we have one more song from the archives uh, here on Snacky Tunes on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We'll see you next week. Watch the show. Go binge. I need another coconut. We'll get you another coconut. We talk about food. We talk about music. With musical dudes. Finger on the pulse. Snacky tunes. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. 
Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.